Mark Twain wrote many stories and published many books. Some were more popular than others, like The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, The Prince and the Pauper, and so forth. But there are the less popular essays and recollections that he combined into books, like Mark Twain in Eruption. Here the two unpublished pages about men and events, published in 1922. In this compilation of essays and recollections, I found a short story about a four-and-a-half-year-old Mark Twain going to his first few days of school in Missouri. As we are coming up to the time of year when students are going back to school, and as a retired educator of 35 years, I decided to read this short story and think about where we are now with our schools and how we compare to August 15, 1906, when Samuel Langhorn Clemens attended his first day of school. This remembrance is entitled A Corn Poem Prayer, and it is from a section of Mark Twain's book called Mark Twain in Eruption, Under the Hannibal Days. Now a brief explanation because a lot of us probably are not familiar with what corn pone is. Well, it is a food that consists of cornmeal, water, salt, and oil or bacon drippings. Corn pone's consistency is a bit heavier and thicker compared to fluffy and light cornbread, which includes in its ingredients eggs, sugar, butter, milk, flour, and baking powder. By the way, corn pone was one of Abraham Lincoln's favorite foods. Keep that in back of your mind where you store mostly useless information like trivia. It might come in handy. A Corn Bone Prayer, August 15, 1906. My school days began when I was four years and a half old. There were no public schools in Missouri in those early days, but there were two private schools, terms 25 cents per week per pupil and collected if you can. Mrs. Orr taught the children in a small log house at the southern end of Main Street. Mr. Sam Cross taught the young people of larger growth in a frame schoolhouse on the hill. I was sent to Mrs. Orr's school, and I remember my first day in that little log house with perfect clearness after the 65 years and upwards. At least I remember an episode of that very first day. I broke one of the rules and was warned not to do it again, and was told that the penalty for a second breach was a whipping. I presently broke the rule again, and Mrs. Orr told me to go out and find a switch and fetch it. I was glad she appointed me, for I believe I could select a switch suitable to the occasion with more judiciousness than anybody else. Out in the mud, I found a cooper's shaving of, of the old-time pattern, oak, two inches broad, a quarter of an inch thick, rising in a shallow curve at one end. There were nice new shavings of the same breed close by, but I took this one, although it was rotten. I carried it in to Mrs. Orr presented it to her and stood before her in an attitude of meekness and resignation which seemed to me calculated to win favor and certainly sympathy. But it did not happen. She divided a long look of strong disapprobation 
equally between me and the shaving. Then she called me by my entire name, Samuel Langhorn Clemens. Probably the first time I had ever heard it all strung together in one procession and said she was ashamed of me. I was to learn later that when a teacher calls a boy by his entire name, it means trouble. She said she would try and appoint a boy with better judgment than mine in the matter of switches. And it saddens me yet to remember how many faces lighted up with the hope of getting that appointment. Well, Jim Dunlap got it. And when he returned with a switch of his choice, I recognized immediately that he was an expert. Mrs. Hoare was a New England lady of middle age with New England ways and principles, and she always opened school with prayer and a chapter from the New Testament. Also, she explained the chapter with a brief talk. Now, in one of these talks, she dwelt upon the text, Ask, and ye shall receive, and said that whoever prayed for a thing with earnestness and strong desire need not doubt that his prayer would be answered. I was so forcibly struck by this information and so gratified by the opportunities which it offered that this was probably the first time I had heard of it. I thought I would give it a trial. I believed in Mrs. Orr's thoroughly and I had no doubt as to the result. I prayed for gingerbread. Margaret Kuhneman, who was the baker's daughter, bought a slab of gingerbread to school every morning. She had always kept it out of sight before. But when I finished my prayer and glanced up, there it was in easy reach, and she was looking the other way. In all my life, I believe I never enjoyed an answer to a prayer more than I enjoyed that one, and I was a convert, too. I had no end of wants, and they had always remained unsatisfied up to that time, but I meant to supply them and to extend them now that I had found out how to do it. But... This dream was like most all other dreams we indulge in in life. There was nothing in it. I did as much praying during the next two or three days as anyone in that town, I suppose. I was very sincere and, and, and earnest about it too, but nothing came of it. I found that not even the most powerful prayer was competent to lift the gingerbread again. And I came to the conclusion that if a person remains faithful to his gingerbread, and keeps his eye on it, he need not trouble himself about your prayers. Something about my conduct and bearing troubled my mother, and she took me aside and questioned me concerning it with much solicitude. I was reluctant to reveal to her the change that had come over me for it would grieve me to distress her kind heart. But at last, I confessed, with many tears, that I had ceased to become a Christian. She was heartbroken and asked me why. I said it was because I had found out that I was a Christian for revenue only, and I could not bear the thought of that. It was so ignoble. She gathered me to her breast and comforted me, and I gathered from what she said that if I would continue in that condition, I would never be lonesome.